My guest today has been described by colleagues as a natural leader, assertive, people-focused, reliable, and inspirational. ITEC is able to blend all of these qualities, they say. He has great vision on where his business needs to grow and has clear understanding on the gaps to overcome. He has consistent methodology in solving business issues, mentoring his direct reports while showing full responsibility for his actions to his management. Here's another comment. ITEC is a goal-oriented professional who has superior communication and negotiation and selling skills. He is not only a talented colleague to work with in harmony in the sales team, but also a manager with great people management skills. Here's a third one. ITEC is a warm, focused and smart overachiever. His emotional intelligence and technical knowledge allow him to approach every challenge with a carefully crafted approach. He always puts his customers and team members at the center of his daily activities. I take Carcuso. Ah, you see, I knew I was going to get this wrong as soon as I tried it. Uh, help, help me with that one, I take. I take Carcuso. Uh, <laughs> you're, very, you're very kind to rescue me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Um, I know when we, as I said, it's, it's, it's more than a decade ago we, we, we met and often in those contexts in, in training rooms, you really don't get to know the people you're working with. You get to meet them and smile and shake hands and, and really that's it. So maybe you could share with us a little bit about where you grew up and what that was like. Sure. Um... Yeah, it's been a long time, uh, longer than 10 years that I think I met you last time. So time really flies. Uh, so I'm originally from Turkey, you might remember. Um, and, uh, you know, I grew up, you know, I, I spent most of my time till uh, end of my graduation in Turkey. And then uh, the last year in my university years, I decided to, you know, try to go out of Turkey. Uh, for an education purposes. Um, it wasn't that popular at that time, those exchange programs. And I was one of the first students that uh, got the kind of the scholarship to, to go out of uh, uh, Turkey. Uh, and then I came to Czech Republic. So it was my last year uh, in the university. It was supposed to be three months. Uh, I ended up being here for uh, 16 years. So my mom is always joking about it. And she says, look, we sent you for three months and it's been 16 years that you didn't come back. Um, I grew up in a small city, by the way, in Turkey. Uh, so it was really a small community over there. Uh, I spent, you know, my, uh, my uh, primary school, elementary school and high school. And then I went to different city, one of the big cities in Turkey for university. I think that's where really I, uh, you know, it wasn't about the education only. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't remember most of the things I, I studied in the university, but it was about the culture, uh, which, which, you know, taught me a lot of things. Uh, also, I met with, you know, people from outside of Turkey. I got into this international environment, so which also attracted me, you know, uh, traveling mm. outside of Turkey. Mm. And then I came to Czech Republic, yeah. you know, and then uh, I spent three months, then my school offered me, hey, do you want to stay another three months, which would be end of my studies, obviously. And then the second term, I met with some people who told me, look, there are some open positions. It was, you know, one of the big American companies. They were looking for some people that could speak Turkish and manage Turkish, you know, uh, territory mm -hmm. and some of the other countries around. 
Then I said, why not? Let me try. And then, you know, I will give it a few years and tease to see how, how it works. Then, uh, yeah, mm. I ended up uh, staying in Czech Republic. Mm. Turkey is a beautiful country, wonderful people. Do you miss it much? Uh, I do miss some of the things and there are things that I don't miss, to be honest. Okay. Like, uh, like you know, the, the situation there is like quite, you know, uh, different than, than in Europe. So uh, people have really a stressful life. Uh, you know, the economy is not stable and the political situation also is not, not uh, you know, very mm. stable. Uh, but of course, I, I miss people. As you said, there are really great people. I miss food, <laughs> to be honest. And, you know, uh, and, you know, oh, you know I, I still keep uh, definitely some of the things that are, you know, part of my, you know, you know, lifestyle, some of the mm. things that are related to culture. Uh, but I adapted, I think, Czech Republic and in Europe in general. Uh, you know, mm. I, I met my wife. Uh, she's from Lithuania in Czech okay. Republic. So we have two kids. Both were born in Prague. Okay. So that's it. Once you marry outside your country, you're stuck. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we yeah. have no intention. Of course, we, ne we, we never know what life brings, but um, yeah. we, we like here and, and we would like to yeah. stay here. I know, you're in a beautiful, Prague is a beautiful city. And yeah. and I, I've not explored the Czech Republic very much, I have to say, but the Prague itself, I've been there many times. It's, 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 it's a lovely, it's a very livable city, which yes. I like. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell me, in terms of when, when you were growing up, who influenced you most? Oh, uh, well, yeah, that's a very good question. Um, first of all, my parents, they influenced me a lot. Uh, they are both teachers. So, um, you know, and, and when we lived in, in smaller city, you know, uh, during my uh, secondary and, and high school education, uh, there was a big influence also because of the fact that my, my parents were teachers and they knew the teacher community. So all the teachers that I had, they knew each other. And, you know, in terms of, I think, discipline, hard work, there are definitely several things that I, I see the, the, the impact kind of the, the effects of those, you know, days uh, still till today. I think it brings me a lot of discipline at my work. You know, I'm always, you know, resilient and hardworking. I think, you know, they were really role model from that perspective. They had also really hard work. Um, and my sister was another one, you know, because she's, she's really successful individual. Uh, and I guess, yeah. So those, those you know, those were definitely yeah. people around me that uh, had a, had a really positive impact. And in the university, I think, you know, in terms of, you know, sales, uh, when, when I started, uh, you know, uh, university education, I started working at the same time in mm -hmm. one, uh, uh, small, uh, dealer of, of one of the, you know, well-known brands of cars. And then there were definitely a few people that I, you know, enjoyed seeing them selling. And then that's when I realized that I would enjoy also doing it myself. And that's how I started. Very good. Very good. Yeah. And were there any clues in the early years that you would someday end up in sales? Yeah, yes, <laughs> I can tell you, I never forget, uh, those moments, those days. Uh, I was selling books when I was like nine, ten years old. Uh, my uncle, um, you know, another great individual uh, who is uh, 
computer engineer. Uh, he's retired now. He he was reading a lot of books, and once he read the books, he would tell us, "Hey guys, like, would you you know be okay just to go and sell them you know on the street somewhere?" And we would go and uh, you know uh, try to sell them to the people that were crossing the street um, cool. with my cousin. So then I really realized at that time, you know, I enjoy selling. Uh, oh. And I still remember some specific moments that I would be, you know, I was terrible at negotiating and people would use this for their advantage. They would like take three, four books with really, you know, but it doesn't matter. Obviously, it was not yeah. the objective. So we would save a lot of money and then, you know, spend those money for, for our, you know, uh, hobbies and stuff. So oh. it was great pleasure you know after you sell something and earn and then spend it for you know something that you enjoy i think i had that you know spirit from those days yeah i'm wondering as a kid i can imagine when when you go out first to sell books that it's your approach is would you like to buy my book which is you know not the most sophisticated sales approach in the world i'm wondering was there any any little tips and tricks you learned how to get people to warm to you, like you quickly and to want to buy the book, even though they negotiated hard with you, at least, you know, they were already decided they wanted to buy. Uh, yeah, was I mean, one of, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, or was it the force of your personality they bought? Yeah. Um, I guess one of the things I learned quickly was uh, if, you know, people would ask me, hey, can I get like two or three and then, you know, uh, uh, pay you this amount of money and that amount of money. And I would give up very easily because at the end of the day, I was getting more so that, you know, <laughs> was better than, you know, selling only one. But mm. then uh, when I went back home and discussed this with, you know, with my uncle and with the others, they would tell me, look, then you are losing because, you know, the value of the books should be higher than this. Then I realized that quite quickly. So I wouldn't, you know, give up on the negotiations easily. That's number one. And number two, I think one of the things I learned quickly uh, was also ask questions, you know, like first greet the people, you know, I, bonding, right? One of the, you know, things that you we, we learned also during the trainings with you. Um, I think I got that also, you know, just ask people how they are doing, you know, uh, and, and, you know, they would see someone, you know, small and that would be already a good start, obviously. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, ask questions, hey, which books you like? So I knew where, where to find what. So uh, then, 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 you know, kind of understanding their needs and address them. Mm, very good. Very good. So you were well primed by the time you got your first sales role. <laughs> um, tell me what that was like in terms of there's, there's one understanding of sales that you can have from, from pursuing you know, selling books on, on the street versus a B2B professional environment. What were your light bulb moments there that kind of made you think differently maybe about sales? Uh, you are asking how I was thinking, you know, before I joined well, B2B. What, what, what I'm asking is that you're now in a professional environment in, in that first job where you're, you're, you're now selling to other businesses and what you're selling, it's not commodities like books. It's something a little bit more. And, and I'm wondering what were the differences in terms of your, in terms of what's required to sell B2B with a more complex product versus B2C, a simple product. Yeah. Where, you know, it, it obviously wasn't the same for you. You might've tried the same things, but. 
Yeah, well, I could even compare my B2C experience when, you know, I was witnessing sales of the cars. Uh, then when I joined B2B, I realized, wow, it's not only, you know, uh, you know, it's so it's not short. I can tell you that's probably one of the big differences that, you know, if someone walks into the gallery of the, uh, you know, of the, the automobiles and then, you know, you, most of the time you come to a conclusion pretty quickly, either they want to buy or they, you know, decide not to. And then uh, there are, there weren't so many people who would come back again, unless you already shake hands and then they would need to come back because they want to pick up the car or, you know, Ooh. but then when you go into B2B sales, then it's a whole process, right? So sometimes it takes months, it takes years to sell something. And uh, I think in terms of, you know, decision making, you know, the authorities and, and you know, those things, when I joined, when I started uh, uh, first in B2B sales, I think my journey, you know, before then Oracle, I was also going through this B2B sales, but it wasn't as, as, as let's say, sophisticated as in IT, I must be honest. Then when I joined Oracle, I realized, look, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's not uh, that easy to, to, to complete the sales, you know, uh, and then, you know, you, you need to go through the whole process, understand the, you know, authorities, decision-making process, and, you know, you need to probe more about the needs and, and such. So I think, you know, that was probably one of the big differences between B2C and B2B. And tell me, in terms of what you're doing currently, what's giving you a greatest sense of achievement and accomplishment? Uh, um, yeah, there's not only one thing. So there are definitely several things. Um, I think the, the, the current role that I have, uh, it, we... We, you know, we, we, it's been three years that we are in the new company's umbrella. I think even though we are in a big company, big corporation, it felt like also startup a little bit because we were developing a team here and trying to settle the things, you know, understanding like the, our strategy as a company and execute on our level. I think one of the things I really enjoyed a lot and I see you know, the, the, the pleasure of the achievement as a team here is that we grew, you know, really significantly throughout the years. And we did a lot of things we did introduce ourselves and then we saw the results. Uh, it's not that there was already a working machine and then, you know, which were, you know, I was just plugged in and then continue working. I think there were a lot of things that we had to introduce and we had to take the decision ourselves and then introduce to, to achieve certain things. I think uh, that's one. And the second thing is definitely seeing people growing. You know, we have several people that came here with little experience, you know, in comparison to what they do now mm. and uh, seeing them growing big time, which they mm. also are aware of themselves and they always, you know, appreciate themselves and, and the team. Mm. I think that's another thing that I really yeah. appreciate and, and I feel the pleasure. Nice, nice. I like that. Yeah. So tell me, I take. When are you at your happiest? Uh, <laughs> is so. Should I answer this like personal or more like business perspective? No, uh, well, yeah. at your happiest, yeah. whatever that yeah. is. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Um, when I 
you know, um, I think when I succeed in 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 our results, the outcomes that we want to achieve, not necessarily the numbers. Don't get me wrong. You know, if you are in sales, of course, it's you know numbers are important. But if we succeed in achieving anything, you know, during the week, during the month, during the quarter, during the year, and then it's not only me who is uh, enjoying the success, but I see a lot of people who had hand on it. And then, you know, we celebrate together. I think that makes me really happy. And also going back home and sharing, you know, with my wife and, and, you know, and and seeing her smiling and, you know, being happy about it. I think that gives me really uh, big happiness. All right. So it's a nice blend of both work and, and personal. Yeah. Yeah. And, in term, what I wanted to explore with you, Aitek, is your transition from sales to leadership, what that was like. We've talked a little bit about transitioning from the B2C to B2B, and, and, and it's a different, more complex type of sales environment. And now you've got more skills under your belt, and you're given this management opportunity uh you most people jump at that and go yes i'm ready and then after a few months you kind of go maybe i wasn't so ready and i'm wondering yeah. what those experiences were that can and, and how did you overcome them uh, <clears throat> i think i had that challenges a lot when i first really was promoted from individual contributor to well actually i had two phases in my career so I was individual contributor, then I was promoted to uh, um, more like a supervisor role in before I really joined IT sales. So I had a little bit of taste of, you know, what leadership is, but it was different. So I'm not counting on those years really, uh, uh, you know, in terms of leadership experience. I'm counting the, from the days that I started leading teams in sales in IT, because those were more challenging. Um, so I think... When I first was appointed as as a first line manager, uh, one of the things I, you know, it took me time to realize was, look, everyone is different, right? Mm -hmm. So it's they are not you, and to have the expectations of people doing the same way that you are doing the things or you used to do as an individual contributor is wrong. Uh, so it took me some time to realize. And then, of course, setting the tone, you know, if you are uh, uh, promoted within the team, so you have people that, you know, that used to be your colleagues, now you are leader of them. Uh, it, you know, it was, I think, natural kind of, you know, transition that, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a bit challenging in the beginning. Uh, but then when you have it, and then when you read, when you listen, when you see people, uh, then you are finding your way definitely, and you know it's all it's many things like authority, empathy, you know uh, mm. uh, asking the right questions like not only mm. sales but when you are also leading people, you need to understand uh, mm. uh, their motivation so mm. I think it took me a while to to and then of course, there were moments that I was you know uh, demotivated because I was seeing you know that hey this is a big issue and and I took it very personally at that time i think one of the things you learn in the leadership is that you stop taking things personal right so interesting yeah. yeah yeah and did you have a good mentor or coach throughout this process 
Uh, yes, yes, not only one, several. Mm. Uh, mm. You know, and how do they one. help? In what in what ways? Uh, I guess first of all, uh, you know, talking to someone helps definitely, uh, and it should be not. It can be your direct manager. You need to have definitely some people that are outside of your organization, you know, because uh, mm-hmm. they have different perspectives. So, uh, you know, we had a coach when I started my leadership journey and, and I, we still speak to each other time to time. I really like him. You might even know him. Well, this uh, wasn't a legendary Johan by any chance. Yeah, exactly. Ah. So let's just, yeah. you know, give our regards to him. Shout out to <laughs> Johan Czech. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so coach extraordinary. Exactly. So yeah, he helped yeah. me big time, you know. Uh he 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 helped me how to, you know, have empathy and 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 you know find really the small nuances like is that how we could call it like, you know, to to yeah. motivate people, you know, really small things. But then when you do those, you know, they, they call like atomic habits, like those small things more and more, then it becomes habits, right? So as a, yeah. as a leader. So that helped me big time. Uh, and then, you know, I have a close friend, you know, who's been my friend for, I, I, he's in a really respected role also mm. right now in his career. Uh, and I really, you know, trust his point of mm. view and, and I speak to him. Uh, he's been also a big help to me during last years. Mm. I'm curious, I think, I know the, 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 the typical challenges that leadership face can change over time. Depending on market conditions, and a, and a market that could be for market for talent for for reps, it could be the market in which you operate into. They can also the challenges can change over the cycle of a year in terms of what's important at the beginning of a year versus the end. What are the kind of things that you see now, both for yourself and talking to other peers, other colleagues, that sales leader? What are the main challenges for sales leadership? at the moment uh, <clears throat> well um i think i mean there, there there you know we started seeing a lot of uh talks discussions about this you know great resignation um, you know pe- people started being aware of you know real themselves which by the way i appreciate i like the fact that people mm. start you know listening themselves and hey what's my objective uh, you know mm. in life of course those are the things that you know bring challenges to the leaders mm. because it's you know when you speak to people it's not only about the role and and the and the business only but you need to keep in mind also their personal motivation in life and i really i'm big believer of you know not only you know, looking at the professional expectations and the roles. But I think you need to understand also people's own motivation, because if you can blend them and, you know, if we are, especially in sales, it's never, you know, that hey, you check in and then you check out and that's it. Like, it, it never, you know, it's rarely happens. Uh, so you, you know, you need to blend this with your personal life. So uh, I think, you know, Right now, when when we speak to people, when we hire people, we need to keep all those in mind, which means, you know, there's always a a risk that you would lose people, you know, they would go and find something that fits more with their values, you know, as, Mm. you know, their personal values with company values, for example, and then the, the business is getting bigger, obviously, and then you you see a lot of startups, you know, uh, now um, everything is 
going way faster than before and the market is becoming competitive so it's it's hard to find you know sometimes individuals that you would love to have uh, you know in the team but mm. at the same time people are more reading educating themselves you know of course then they are more mm. uh, valuable for the companies uh, i think that's that's one of the things uh, you know and then the second thing is that especially from sales perspective uh, the competition is getting bigger and bigger you know in the software business so uh, you know uh, have uh, that's also giving challenges to the leaders because you need to have the right strategy you know to 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 achieve to keep achieving constantly mm -hmm. achieving uh, i think uh, that's so you know you you also you always need to be aware of the values that you are proposing you, to your customers so that you are ahead of competition mm -hmm. And when you talk about values, what values do you look for in people that might reflect your own values? Uh, uh, well, <laughs> you know, we have actually four aspects that we keep talking. You know, whenever we hire people, we, you know, go through the interview process. There are really four things that we tell people before they join and, you know, those things that we uh, seek in in people and one of them is autonomy we really you know uh we we think you know since things are moving way faster than ever uh it's hard to also find the time you know to to show and guide people every day so it's becoming more difficult so people need to have the right autonomy because there's like million of I, I you know they are talking about like huge amount of information so people need mm. to have the autonomy to find the right yeah. information and apply and the second thing is team player definitely uh, everyone that we have in the team needs to be a team player so that's another you know uh, uh, I don't know if we could consider this as a value but you know people need need to be collaborative so I think yeah. you were saying you said there was four things that you evaluate when you're hiring and the first one was autonomy and the second one was teamwork. Before we get to the other two, I was curious to understand, because at, at a surface level, they can seem not conflicting, but maybe not in line, you know, autonomy, people who are high on autonomy are very good at working on their own, under their own steam. Correct. Uh, they don't have that need to be part of a team. But you're also saying, being part of a team and sharing those values is important as well. And before we look at the other two, I'm, I'm curious to know if, if, if in reality, that's ever an issue. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I guess, you know, when it comes to autonomy, we, we are not ignoring the teamwork. We are not ignoring the collaboration. Like everyone needs to welcome the collaboration. But when you have the right autonomy, which means you are also motivated to go and ask others, right? To find the information, never get stuck and stop executing. Because really, when whenever we talk within ourselves, for us, the best strategy is execution. You know, sometimes we execute too fast, sometimes slow, sometimes we fail. But if we want to execute fast, people need to have the right autonomy also to, to go and ask and to be ready to collaborate with the others. Sometimes... You know, just to give you an example, within our team, sometimes people who are more senior than others, they also recognize and, and kind of perceives the issue before they come out 
with another individual and then they have the courage to come to us and say hey you know i'm sensing that this person might be struggling with this you know what if we go and speak to him or her and then take some action so you know so when you blend this autonomy with the collaboration because he mm -hmm. could say look you know, I am ignorant, you know, uh, I, I will just focus on my work, but that doesn't happen. And we, we you know, I, if, you know, we, we do questionnaires with the team every three months, we really try to stick to it and ask them, hey, what are the things that you enjoy the most? You know, what are the things that you want to see improving? And, and every single time, one of the things that comes up in the things that people enjoy is the collaboration and the teamwork, mm -hmm. to be honest with you. So I think, you know, you can also achieve work by having the right autonomy i don't know if that makes I like sense that. i like yeah. that it's it's because yeah. of because of having the right autonomy you can achieve the right teamwork okay that's an interesting yeah. angle i'd not yeah. thought of uh, yeah. what were the other two the other two is uh, resilience right not a surprising thing especially in sales uh Ooh. in organizations i think you know you know, we give this example, maybe it's not the right one, but you know, it's sometimes it's like a boxing match. There are days that you get a lot of punches right and left, and then you, you fall down, but then you, you know, stand uh, back up, up, up on your feet. Uh, I think that's the resilience that we, we are looking for uh, in our people. And then uh, the last one is the adaptability. Uh, we have even people that we hired uh, that didn't have necessarily the software, you know, experience and they are doing great, you know? Mm. So, which means if, you know, they have the, the, the flexibility and the open minded, you know, and then they are hardworking people, obviously, then they can learn and, you know, uh, start executing and, uh, and achieving. So that's what we've seen. So really these four things that we look for, uh, in, in the people. And so far it proves to us that when we have these values matching, our team and company values, we, we are succeeding. Mm. Uh, tell me, if you were Minister for Education mm. and you could make any one subject mandatory in the school curriculum, what would it be? Oh. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is a, this is a great question. Um, and I want to have the right answer to it. I don't know that there's a right answer, by the way. I, yeah. think, I think there's a sense <laughs> of if you look at where I, where I often take that question from is when you look at people coming into an organization and maybe your own experiences outside organizations, but most of it will be in organizations and you look and you go, I wish there were more or I wish they were better at, or more considerate of, there often tends to be a, um, a, a common thread there. And, and it, it depends, and it, it depends on, I'll give you some examples. Mm -hmm. There's a, a guy I had as a, on the podcast a couple of months ago, and he works a lot with SDRs. Mm -hmm. And SDRs in their role no matter how hard you try, and I don't know how universal this is, I suspect it's pretty universal. No matter how hard you try uh, to get them to pick up the phone and speak to people, uh, some will, but the majority wants to engage from behind a keyboard. Yeah. Now that's okay. 
The problem with it is it's very hard to communicate in text in the same way as you would communicate when you have, you know, tonality and inflection and pace and pitch, all of those things that make spoken word a, a really powerful tool for communication. And it's how we've evolved to communicate. We, are, we didn't evolve in caves typing, right? So his, his greatest wish was that people would learn in school how to copyright, how to write short, punchy, clear, concise messages. Mm -hmm. Other people, um, I've, I've asked that question to, might be more just more vague around, say, communication skills, that when, mm -hmm. when, you, when, when young people come out of university, they're, they're well socialized, but very often their ability to communicate with different age levels, people in authority, with colleagues, is often uh, underdeveloped, and, yeah. and, and so it's it, that's where I'm coming from in yeah. terms of what would you like to, what what tide would raise the boats? Yeah, in the organization. I think, yeah, I have definitely the idea. I'm, I'm just trying to find the right name, you know, for mm. the course, you know, for yeah. uh, when it comes to education. Yeah. I think I would say really negotiation slash presentation and I will tell you why it's not only negotiating necessarily in sales but in general you know like if you know I like honestly I don't know uh, if I, I I should you know I, I I'm not here to promote anything related to you but you know I never forget about submarine right so if mm. someone showed me that in in when I was studying high school or or university you know, what is the importance of bonding and rapport and then, you know, having the upfront contract with anything in life mm. and then understanding pain of someone, you know, uh, then how you can lead them to do decision making. You know, I think the, when I had negotiation courses also during my MBA studies and everywhere, it didn't only teach me how to negotiate in, in my professional life, but in anywhere. And then, you know, when you learn to ask the question, what else can you be more specific? You know, mm. I think that would help you in any where in the life. So I think that would be definitely something that I would, you know, have as mandatory course. And then also people, you know, if they present better, like they have no fear of presenting, you know, uh, no matter if they are native or not. I think that yeah. would be a big plus. For the people. Yeah, that's one thing I notice a huge difference with kids who come out of American schools Absolutely. out of the US. Absolutely, their presentation skills are on another planet compared with what I see typically in Europe. Obviously, there's exceptions, yeah. but yeah. Uh, for the most part, their yeah, their ability to communicate on agree. their feet. Yeah, and you know what is funny? It's not only about, by the way, the the people that are selling. It's also about the customers. You know, we've, we've come across a lot of cases where a customer doesn't want to go into the call. They would rather want to have an email from you, you know? So that's also leading the behavior of the salespeople. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess uh, that's, that's kind of, you know, I, it happens, as, I, as you said, like it's more, I would say more European thing than, than, uh, than American. Yeah. 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 In terms of the changes you've seen during the pandemic, uh, what 
what would you like to change? What's been good and what would you like, sorry, not what you like to change. What's been good about it for you and what would you like to keep into the future? Um, uh, so, <clears throat> I think, you know, collaboration, like, so we had a lot of focus on the way how we collaborate as a team during the pandemic because, mm. you know, obviously everyone is sitting at home and, and uh, you know, uh, we want to make sure that everyone is connected to each other in, 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 in every hour if, if needed, right? And then this, gives, this gave us the realization of, hey, uh, we need to really focus on our, you know, systematic collaboration in terms of even like gathering together, you know, doing the things that maybe we didn't necessarily think of in the past, you know, and then since now during the pandemic, we were having bigger focus. So I think those are the things we would like to keep, you know, uh, it's uh, the games that we played virtually. Yeah, I'm not sure, you know, if we had the right focus when, when we did, didn't, you know, face through this thing, you know, I was never imagining, hey, let's have our game you know, sessions every month, every two months. I think those are the things we would like to keep. Uh, but look, I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm uh, one of those people, by the way, who who love working from office. I don't know, it's me, or, you know, I, I like it because it's also the feeling that you prep yourself in the morning and then go to the office and such. Um, and I like to see people around, uh, mm. but with the right collaboration tools, we we believe that people didn't feel, you know, lonely and, and, you know, left out or anything. So I think those are the things we would like to keep no matter what, even if we are back together physically, you know, face to face. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah. I think, uh, I, I think you're right. I think the, the having people around you is important and not everybody gets that. I do see it here where more and more local groups are building remote working centers so that you don't i think people don't want to get stuck in traffic again now prague is different prague has a great public transport system but if you're say living an hour outside london or an hour and a half outside london and you have a three-hour commute every day that's probably different so it, it, i guess it depends on where you are and how important it is to have that blend because the, the people side of things are nice. I know it's the routine. I think you said you like going to the office. I think for a lot of people, just that routine and, and also leaving home and going somewhere, it's like a buffer. Uh, yeah. And, 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 and a little buffer, 20 minutes, is a nice buffer to both prepare you, as you said, but also on the other side to uh, kind of let go of the day before you go back home. And if you're just moving from one room to another in your apartment, it's it's not the same. Absolutely. So, I, I, and I see also that here, certainly in Ireland, where people now, when they're buying homes, uh, those who can get them because it, that's hard, is uh, they're one. Well, it used to be the kitchen was the most important room in the in the building. Now it's where's the study? Where, where's the office? Yeah. <laughs> um, Correct. Yeah, but uh, it has certainly. I think it has changed. What's your vision for the future? Maybe think of it through the eyes of your children. What kind of future would you like them to have? <clears throat> I, I think this is you know not the first time that you would be hearing this. Um, I really would 
love them to find out what they enjoy as early as possible, right? I think that's the common wish from many parents, but, you know, and it's hard because you can't also force for it, right? So, you know, like I see a lot of parents, you know, that are putting, you know, their kids into a million different things because they would like to find out what they are passionate for. But, uh, you know, that's, of course, my wish still that I would love them to find out, you know, uh, mm. uh, what they are passionate about. Because it's, you know, I think the more, uh, the, the, one of the biggest uh, pleasure uh, of, 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 you know, humanity would be also how much, you know, positive impact you have towards the other life. So, and if you they are passionate about something and I'm sure they will create a bigger impact for the humanity. And, you know, I, you know, the, the, the more I have experience in, in, in business life, the more I realize that, you know, I think even within the group we have here, I'm always, you know, uh, I never forget, okay, what is the positive impact that we have towards our people, right? So that's mm. something that I keep thinking uh, almost every day. Uh, mm. Then, you know, I think my vision for my kids is to, to do something that, you know, contributes a lot to the mm. to the public and, and to people. Um, and yeah, I think to be a good example for them also, I think they are already, you know, uh, realizing what is hardworking, you know, my daughter keeps referring to it. You know, sometimes it makes me feel bad because, you know, I'm working a lot, obviously, that's me, right? And then mm. she's, oh, she, I think I had some already, you know, effect in her mind. She knows now what is hard working, going to work, doing hard work, you know, to, to earn for family, uh, which I believe can be also positive, right, for the future, mm. because I think she will keep that in mind. Um, mm. Yeah, but again, I think I would love them to, to find something w what they are passionate about. Yeah, I think that's always the trick is to, if you have passion on, on one axis and then income on another, yeah, and to find something that overlaps that is that that both Absolutely. you can really enjoy, but also can pay for pay the bills. That's yeah. that's probably a bigger challenge sometimes. I think, uh, or maybe yeah. maybe what you can do, or what I try to do, is find find income first, and then use that for the interests. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's also my Otherwise, plan. Otherwise, I'd like to be a rock yeah. star. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's also, yeah, that's also my plan. Look, I'm yeah. one of the examples, right? I told you a little bit about the story, like where I started selling books on the street. So yeah. I would have, you know, I would definitely try for them to have the similar experience so yeah. that they know how it feels like, you know? Yeah. And yeah. what do you like to do, I take in your, to, what do you like to do to relax in your spare time? Um, when I find time, you know, obviously I love to spend time with, with my family, with my children, you know, and I, I try to do it on the weekends, um, uh, that, you know, makes me relax. And I started having also this, uh, uh how you call it, um, uh, this electronic fast fasting, you know, so I, I, you know, put my phone uh, far from oh, me. Right. For, yes, yes. Yeah. I haven't heard so. that term before. <laughs> I like it. I, 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 I remember reading it somewhere, you know. It's like a detox kind of. Detox kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, 
put all the electronics aside and uh, go out. You know, I, I leave them home and, you know, because really it's crazy like these days how people subconsciously reaching out their phones. And uh, so that's, yeah, that's something right, I try. Right? Yeah. yeah, and uh, yeah. and rec- and it's been a while that I didn't, you know, do sports, and I felt, you know, that I need to do something. So now I again started waking up pretty early in the morning, and uh, you know, hitting gym and you know, listening to some yeah. podcasts and 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 try to read. So nice. I enjoy nice. that. Yeah. I've come to the conclusion I take that phones are like cookies, that if you leave the cookie jar open beside you, you're gonna you're gonna put your hand in it. You're going to be, if you're watching TV, you're going to put your hand in and you, <laughs> you yes. might eat it slowly and then after a while, oh, take, take them away. But if you actually leave it in a different room, you're not thinking about it. Yes, agreed. Yeah, I find that with my phone. It's, it's, it is, I've actually I've noticed myself now reaching out to see if anybody has been in contact. Like, that's <laughs> insane. Yes. Absolutely yes. insane. And, yeah. and then, and then, if they do get in contact, I'm going. Oh, now I have to respond. <laughs> yeah, that yeah is I was mad. reading and list. Yeah, watching some documentaries about it, like how also the new generation is, you know, having this, uh, you know, self assessment based on the likes they have and such. Like that's really scary. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. I see with my daughter. I see her. On Instagram, if her photograph doesn't get a certain number of likes, she'll delete the photograph. <laughs> I, that's that's insane yeah. to me. I don't yeah. understand it. I just I, and I can't. And and it's like it's like the phone is attached permanently in her hand. And and you try to explain. Look, you know, phones are wonderful, wonderful technology. I was there. You know, I worked on the technology that created the, the phones in the first place. Love them. But everything in moderation, everything in balance. But then they just look at you like, "Yeah, you're old. What do you know? You yeah. you don't understand the younger generation, Dad." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know what I do, uh, Paul? I uh, negotiate as well. You know, so I I like to learn, teach. Also, my my daughter is now uh, 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 over six years old, so she yeah. has you know like better kind of realization on the things. My small one is three and a half. My son. And I negotiate with her, and yeah. then it, you know, it's recognition. Also, I try to use, and you know, uh, and also, you know, the the two things: human instinct, right, fear, and the pleasure. So, and I keep that in mind all the time. And sometimes, if she has the fear of the consequences, then you know, she also yeah. disciplines herself, yeah. and also having the pleasure of achieving something. So, I think this teaches a lot to the okay. kids. Okay, all I'm gonna say to you, I take is come back to me. When they're teenagers and when they think they know everything and you know nothing, I then, am sure then tell me it's that that gonna works. be more difficult. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. about it. And, and turning <laughs> off the network doesn't work either. <laughs> they will find the way. I know, yeah. I know. They will always find a way. Tell me, we're almost up on on, on time, and I've thoroughly enjoyed our our, our chat. Um, yeah, me too. What I wanted to, uh, there's a couple of questions I ask every guest, and one is this: If your house were burning down and your family are safe and if you have any pets they're safe and you've your phone of course is safe uh and you had time to run back into the building and grab one and save one thing in the building what would it be and why uh yeah 
smoke is coming under the door, I take. You don't have much time. <laughs> tick-tock, tick-tock. <laughs> tick-tock. Uh, well, I mean, luckily, I don't have anything that is, you know, like, uh, like that is, you know, like super meaningful and I need mm. to keep it like, you know, I, I'm not one of those people that, you know, keep things like as memory and such. Mm. Um, and all the pictures are now in electronic, you know, environment, luckily. Um, mm. I think um, I would probably yes secure some you know good clothes so that if i need to go somewhere else and you know get That's you know, <laughs> yes and get you know things that we don't have anymore because of the situation i think you know yeah, i yeah. would want to make sure that i'm ready for any other circumstances you know so i like it you're thinking ahead already yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. It's a, no, I like it. All right, good. And final question for you is when your time on this planet is done and they erect a statue in your honor in the center of Prague, uh, what would you like to be on the plaque, on the plate underneath the statue? What would you like it to say? <clears throat> I would say, you know, this man, you know, this guy touched many people's life who, you know, did make the things better, you know, after they met him. So I think something like that. So, you know, they, he had a positive impact uh, like in, in people's lives. Yeah, that's a nice, yeah. that's a, that's a nice quality. I think, thank you so much for being my guest today. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Same and, here, uh, Paul. I hope it's not 10 years again. <laughs>